We're back. We'll see you in hell. Episode two. Number two. Episode two. This is a big one tonight. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street 1, episode 2, directed by Wes Craven. The movie, not the episode. He also directed the podcast tonight. He's not happy with our performance thus Uh, far. Get out of here. Come on. Uh, We're thrilled to be here doing this with the Fangoria Podcast Network, newly launched Fangoria Podcast Network. A proud moment for both of us. I'm Joe DeRosa. I'm Pat Walsh. Thrilled is extreme for me. I'm I'm having a nice time, but... (laughs) I, I wouldn't say thrilled. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. I mean, you want to bite the hand that feeds. No, absolutely not. Uh, listen, so we're, we're we're jumping right in, I feel like. Uh, you know, we we opened the, the series with Children of the Corn, and now the second episode, we're going right to Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think it gets any more classic horror than this. It doesn't. Uh, we discussed doing Leprechaun. Pat made the point of he didn't want people to think it was a thing where we were just making fun of movies because... I don't think anybody thinks Leprechaun's a great horror movie. No. No. But we wanted it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. We wanted it to be. I wanted that remake, that new one that came out to be awesome. The new Leprechaun? Leprechaun Origins. That happened? Oh, yeah, it happened. I didn't know about that. I met Ricky Gervais once on a radio show, and I said, why, of all the things you made fun of on Life's Too Short, did you never make fun of Leprechaun? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, oh, mate, I'm sure we did. It was just... Probably got cut. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> anyway. Um, he cackled like a madman and told you he didn't believe in God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's fire it up. I actually get tense when we're talking and you haven't started it. I don't know why. Because this goddamn Apple TV, you know, it does this on and off thing. Yeah. All right. So we'll count to three and then say uh, search. And that's your cue to pause the podcast. Search for Nightmare on Elm Street on your uh, uh, whatever your device for streaming is. Net, uh, you know, these are all movies that are on Netflix well, Instant. You can go ahead and search for it now. You don't need a countdown to search. Well, let's I'm just not wipe your ass for you. You know, let's give so them find Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll say play. You do a play and then immediate pause. We're all on the pause screen and then we go one, two, three, play. We yeah, but they need time to do that and it might not be fast enough. So, but they're doing it now as we speak. But, but what if they weren't? Let's just give them a count countdown. Them. Let's hey, just be let's nice. count down everything you do. All right. <laughs> Here's the countdown for you to go find. When you hear me say search, you pause it, you go, you find it, whatever. One. What are they pausing? The podcast, so they can go find <laughs> the fucking movie. <laughs> They're listening to it. Just right, let them go, right, go do on. it. One, two, three, search. Like a like a dog. Joe, in the morning when he wakes up, I before he brushes his teeth, I have to come over and go, one, two, three, brush. And then he brushes his teeth. Now, just so. in case you got confused because Pat talked through the part where we're supposed to say we're back we're going to give you another chance one two three search we're back okay here we go we're back uh you've unpaused uh now uh this is how we do this you hit play uh and uh when it gets to the first frame of the screen you you of the movie you hit pause again and the reason we do that is because load times vary right am i over explaining this i feel like it it couldn't be less complicated but being made more complicated okay well i'm trying my best what do you want i know from me? but i just feel like people are going to get confused 
I worry about that too. All you're doing, everybody, and I think we might have to adapt this for a future one, is you're going to hit play and then hit pause. So now we're all on a screen that has like one second or two seconds on it. Right, because everybody's load time is different. Right. That's where we do that. Everybody's load so, time. Everybody's Wi-Fi is different. You so have Time Warner. You're going to be waiting 30, 40 minutes. Oh, as you're you gonna, would say. You're going to do, uh, when we count down, one, two, three, play. We all hit play, and now we're going to watch it. Okay, so now you've got it paused, hopefully, at this point. <laughs> you, I hope so, or else. I mean, if you don't, I don't know. I don't I can't know how you hit you. play on this okay. podcast. Okay, so here we go. Uh, on uh, play. One, two, three, play. And it's go. playing. We there we go. We red got new li- from New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema is on your screen. All right, hopefully we're all on the same page. And the thing I think you're missing, Joe, is that they they don't need to pause the podcast. They can look for this stuff while listening to us. What if it takes them a while? What if you're dealing with a slow man? I mean, I think that's all I'm I saying. Am dealing with a slow man. Ah, uh, he he's always got a quip. <laughs> now, I'd like to start uh, with something completely unrelated. In the last episode, we talked about how much of a disappointment the Poltergeist remake was. Right. And we both speculated that perhaps the new vacation would not be up to par. Uh, it's got, a, I believe, a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. terrible reviews. <laughs> and Joe and friends, I'm here to tell you, I just came from seeing it, and it is extremely funny. The vacation remake? There are a lot of big laughs in it. Here's, Get the fuck out when, of here. Now, whenever they go for a huge, like a set piece, a huge over-the-top scene, those don't really work, but everything else works. And now I'm going to confuse it even further by telling you I didn't love Ed Helms or Christina Applegate in it, but I thought the movie was really funny. I thought you were going to go into a thing about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. No, we're going to get there. Okay. Uh, but I thought it was very funny, and the kids in this remake are so fucking funny. The little, uh, the little kid, it, basically, the the one gimmick is that it's a younger brother bullying his older brother. I, it's I, funny. I thought those parts in the trailer were funny. That's Holy how you shit. sound. That kid cracked me up. The little kid in that movie, both of them were great. And the movie gave me a lot of laughs, and I'm sorry I spoke ill of it. And nobody's telling me to say that. I promise. Then why is it getting such bad reviews? I think critics just kind of generally hate comedy. I'd love to sit next to these people and see if they truly didn't laugh throughout the movie. I can't believe that. You're telling me this movie is... All right, I'm going to believe it. Listen, here's why I'm going to believe it. Terminator Genesis, as we talked about in the last episode, terrible reviews, Yeah, terrible rating. I loved every minute of it. I might just start going with the opposite. And Rotten Tomatoes is usually, if you really read the reviews, it's like, oh, this is a good review, and they're putting it as a bad, or vice versa. Okay, fair enough. But I'm telling you right now, it's very funny. I, I usually go by what Richard Roper says. <laughs> I'm a big Richard Roper fan. Sure. Well, he's a very incisive film critic. Uh, if you're watching the film along with us, which you know you don't have to do, I guess we should have mentioned that at the top. I forgot to, but, you know, you don't have to watch the movie along with us. You can just kind of listen to this. She's walking through some pipes. But if you are watching, she's walking through some pipes. Now I'm having anxiety. Film about editor Rick Shane just, just went off. I'm having anxiety about the fact that we didn't tell them at the beginning they didn't have to watch the movie. No, they, they know. Do they? Yeah, we have a we have a whole description up. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, we good enough. That? Good enough. I worry about everything. Here also, we go. Also, I wish we had slammed Peter Travers because he's a far worse critic than Richard Roper. No, I I really meant what I said. I like Richard oh, Roper. Okay. I like him too. He's a he's a very like man of the people type guy. Yeah, I loved Ebert. Ebert's my favorite of all time. I loved Ebert. There's there's no better film critic. I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing without Roger Ebert. Here's my favorite Ebert review. You ready? Yeah. He said, uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull loved it. And he said, uh, 
Was it as good as the first one or the second one or the third one? I don't know. That's like asking me if I ate four pounds of sausage, <laughs> which pound was the most delicious? Oh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that fourth pound was not the most delicious. <laughs> you should have a little better memory than that. It was a great analogy. My favorite Ebert review is of a horror movie, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Uh-huh. And it's such a funny, perfectly written review, and I urge you to look it up online because I won't do it justice. But the final paragraph of it is... Such perfect, funny, trashing the movie comedy writing. I loved it. What did he say? Uh, we'll see. I just said if you, you should probably look it up because I'm going to botch it. But the gist of it was, uh, it's the kind of twist that makes. I'm going to botch it. It's the kind of twist that makes you want to. I'm, I'm going to botch it. Look I it like up. how you saying you're going to botch it as if it was smooth sailing up until this well, point. You forced me to say it when yeah. I said, "God damn it, Joe." Now, here's a part. I'm glad you asked that question. This is a thing I was always slightly confused about in in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Is she are these children dancing and singing really there or is she dreaming this right now? Because, look, this is reality. And they shot that in a very ghostly way. Are those supposed to be the girls that Freddy molested? Well, they never say molested in this in this original. That's something they more clarified in the remake, which I enjoyed. Uh, I know people say it sucked, but... It it did suck. To those people, I say, you didn't see parts uh, four, five, and six in the theater sure. like I did. I mean, it was just nice to have a scary Freddy back again. Yeah. I was happy about that. New did Nightmare like, was good. Did you like Freddy versus Jason? Uh, I like it now. I had to watch an interview with... The director who said he wanted to make, like, a classic monster fight movie. Uh-huh. Like a Godzilla versus King Kong, like, over-the-top, crazy, whatever. Once I saw that and understood where he was coming from with it, I was like, okay, now I like it. Right. But I had to see that because I went into the theater, again, opening day. And from the minute in the opening monologue where Freddie goes, then they forgot about me, <laughs> and that's a bitch. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. what is he on a surfboard right now? I never liked his wisecracks. Well, I went into Freddy versus Jason thinking it was a, a legal thriller along the lines of like Kramer versus Kramer, <laughs> and they would each have attorneys, and uh, maybe it was a divorce for case. custody of the kids. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. custody of the kids that they would molest yeah, or who murder gets to molest and murder these children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Going back to vacation for for no reason, since this isn't a vacation podcast, but when you watch the new movie, note that there's a bizarre obsession with pedophilia jokes. Like, there's 80 of them. And they're not all great. Now, you wonder why they wouldn't take some out. It's a little weird. Who's making the pedophilia jokes? They're everyone. Everyone in the movie uh, is basically hinted at as being kind of a pedophile. Want to make note again, second episode in a row... Strong pedophilia theme. <laughs> I'm telling you. Once again. It's on the brain because it's a vacation. <laughs> what? And, well, we're watching a movie about a pedophile. One of the most famous pedophiles ever, he's, Freddy Krueger. He's not quite a pedophile in this one. What are you talking about? He's you a got... child murderer in this one. They don't ever say the pedophile thing. Sure they do, don't they? No. They 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 make a point to say it in the remake. And, and if you watch any behind-the-scenes stuff with the remake, they say, like, we wanted to make him even more unlikable, so we brought out the pedophile undertones. Oh, I thought for sure they did. I mean, I guess the assumption is in this that he is. I mean, yeah. You How old Johnny Depp here? Seventeen. Uh, I think his age is gorgeous. He's just beautiful. Yeah. Now he looks kind of like Steven Tyler, floated up on the beach. 
but still beautiful. In he looks way. like Steven Tyler got raped by Stevie Ray Vaughan's scarf collection. Or Steven Tyler's <laughs> scarf collection. Both Stevens sure. big on scarves. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now, which of these two were you more attracted to, Heather Langenkamp or, or I don't remember Tina's real name, but the blonde? I think I'd go with the blonde. I think she turns me on a little bit more. It's a little of a pixie vibe. No, I always loved Langenkamp. Uh, I liked her on a uh, ABC TGIF sitcom called Just, Just the, the Ten, Ten of, of Us. Yeah, about a, like a family of basketball players. Yeah, that but movie that was a coach. That sitcom was shot about eight years after this, and she played a character two years younger. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which always confused me, but yeah. I did like it. It was a spinoff of Growing Pains. That's true. It was a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the now Scream, which we also took bandied about viewing and, and talking about tonight, and, and which, maybe will in the future. Of course we will. But Scream, I guess, clearly owes a lot to this movie, directed by the same guy, and they found the exact same person, Skeet Ulrich, to play the Johnny Depp role. <laughs> Like you would, you wouldn't know they were different men at that time. What happened, right. Skeet Ulrich? Where are you? I don't know. I guess maybe because his name was Skeet, and then when it hit the rap world, his <laughs> name basically represented coming on something. Uh, it's one of my favorite Hollywood minute jokes by David Spade. Uh, it was when he was big, and they put up a picture of Skeet Ulrich, and he went, "Hey, Skeet, Johnny Depp called. He wants his DNA back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the balls of David Spade. Like, really. Not, not having any sort of film career at that point, just taking on the hugest people in Hollywood. You got in trouble I for the balls. it. I know you got in did. trouble for it. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but uh, it's it's great stuff. It's great stuff. It's yeah. the good stuff. It's the old stuff, as they say. Uh, now, your favorite nightmare on Elm Street is this one. Yeah, I mean, without question, number one in my book is the best. I think number three is the second best, and I think seven is the third best. I Seven own them is all. New I've only seen one, two, three, and New Nightmare, and then I've seen all the modern day ones that I thought were all kind of trash. Two's got some fun moments, but it's not a great movie. You, but I put it above five and six without question. Uh, there's a great documentary about the whole franchise that discusses the intense homosexual overtones in Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Yes, and I got to tell you, they weren't far off. It's like a there's a really interesting thing going on there and it's like not that subtly done either no no it, it's written or directed by a gay guy i think right. the ga a gay guy wrote it and there's a tremendous documentary called never sleep again that's what i'm talking about yeah on netflix where he's like laughing like yeah i just thought it was fun to put like a lot of gay -o undertones through the yeah. whole thing oh it made the movie a blast to watch i, I like, like it wow they're uh Really yeah, you got that it. fucking gym teacher that's like, yeah. I'm going to make you do laps at midnight yeah. because you caught me in a gay bar. Now right. hit the showers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Freddie chooses to whip him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Freddie, like, whips him while masturbating or something like that. The one part I didn't agree about it with was when they go, in that documentary, they're like, it's clearly uh, a, a gay metaphor when he could run. He's with the woman that he loves and he leaves her to run and retreat to his friend's bedroom. Yeah. And I was like, well, he runs away because he's going to turn into Freddy and kill her. And he's terrified. <laughs> right. And he but goes think, to his boy's house. Like, that's what any guy that age would do. I think he also, though, has like a pretty lengthy choreographed dance in his bedroom. Yeah. That ends with him uh, popping a cork as his dick. There it is. Mm -hmm. There it is. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's an enjoyable film, though. The I part with say, the uh, bird bursting into flames is pretty crazy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then the end is the standard house party. Actually, horror movies don't give you a lot of like house party getting 
attacked by a killer. Wes Craven uh, says in that documentary that was the part where he realized uh, that the the he was like they 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 blow it it's off the rails why is Freddy appearing in real life Yeah there's something like if there's that many people around you're not that scared because it's kind of like well at least you're there in it with people and then watching it you're like well they're not going to he's not going to kill everybody By the way if you're watching along with us uh, Rick just came inside of <laughs> Tina <laughs> I mean, he might have pulled out. We don't know. He might have had a, a rubber in those days. They They're wondering who Rick is. He's the guy that you can't tell if he's Italian or Puerto Rican. He's Just kind of right up the middle there. Yeah. Maybe a black Irish. Nobody knows. Sure. Uh, is there some? There is a little nudity in this, I think. We were bemoaning last night the lack of nudity in the horror genre, which I think is a real shame. Because you could always count on teen movies, and you could always count on horror movies. And now... Neither. Neither. And usually they're PG-13 in both cases. I watched Mirrors this afternoon starring the great Kiefer Sutherland, uh-huh. and uh, you see Amy Smart from the back naked. I remember that. You see her butt. I mean, it's a, just a tremendous shot. And I was out, I was by myself. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when they showed her ass, I went, ooh, nice. <laughs> Which uh, should I'm really mean. I'm glad I missed that. Yeah, I should be never allowed to be to date ever again. Yeah. It's, it felt like a real creep. Ooh, Nice. Ooh, That's, nice. Now, don't say that in real life when you see a... When a I see Amy Smart naked? When you're making love to Amy Smart, <laughs> who would not be doing anything particularly smart that night, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, Look at this hospital blanket they have on the bed. This bright is crazy. blue hospital blanket. <laughs> I want to say last night I said I, I made some remark that I didn't know if any girls would be listening to this podcast, and I want to retract that. It was a very sexist and stupid thing to say, and I know many girls who watch horror movies. I don't know why I said it. I can't believe that's the thing you're worried about well, I have, after uh, saying that the Happiness is a tremendous <laughs> film. A lot of people think Happiness is a great film. The films can be good about difficult subjects. I just want to mark two episodes in a row. Lots of pedophilia talk and talks of the gay undertones in a horror movie. Because last night we got into the molester that made powder in sure. Funhouse. Look, or fun? Was it Funhouse or was it? S- it was called the Funhouse. The Funhouse. Francis Ford Coppola. I believe. S- oh no, what's the movie Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell is very has a very early film that's a horror movie. It's not Funhouse though. That I do not know. I can't remember. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie when Freddie. Comes yeah. through the rubbery, he makes the wall into like a latex. Just really great, cheap, well done special effects that don't look cheap. As compared to our last one, The Children of the Corn. Look at that. That looks perfect. And you know this movie had no budget. Yeah, and it looks real as shit. And Children of the Corn decided to put like a sticker over the screen to <laughs> represent a man turning to flame. But By the way, this whiskey I picked up today is... Delectable. What's the name of it? Let's give him a shout out. I can't remember. I left it in the other room. Papa Bourbon's Drink Hutch. Something like that. Yeah. I think. Uh, oh, I, th- no, I don't remember. Wh- Whiskey Dicks O'Hallahan. <laughs> Something like that. I don't yeah, know. I've met him once or twice. Good guy. Great whiskey. Sure. Any? Uh, you think there's maybe doing a little Christ symbolism with Freddie coming out of the wall in front of that uh, crucifix? I don't know what it would be, and I'm not smart enough to speak further on that, but maybe they are. Well, Is that Ernie? That cookie jar is Ernie, right? Yes, that's an Ernie Ernie cookie jar from the back. Good eye, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Uh, I never noticed that. Good eye. Absolutely good eye. I I don't think that's Christ symbolism. I think it's supposed to be the symbolism is he knocks Jesus off the wall. Like, God can't protect you. Sure. 
sure. when he comes out of the rubber wall. Is this a look you like, the uh, the lady in a, in a dress shirt and no slacks? Does anybody not like it? It's just fantastic. Is anybody complaining about this look? i got to say, it doesn't happen much in my uh, day-to-day life, but it happens in movies all the damn time. Now, if you're watching along with us, and if you're not, don't worry, it'll be described. Uh, we're about to see a shot, and it's the scariest Freddy has ever been and will ever be. They will never make Freddy scarier than this moment. Tina is now in the alleyway. They stole that shot from Paperboy, the video game. Yeah. Of a trash can lid. Trash can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like the part coming up where the guy in the boombox makes a car crash happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is the scariest thing ever. The long arm Freddy, and he's just laughing like a witch. It's so fucking scary, yeah. and it's something that it would happen in a dream, where you'd be like, this is God puts the claw over his oh, face. There's, there's that Look at the way he's running. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary. And he's just toying with her. That's what the great part is. There he goes. He disappears, reappears in front of her. He can catch her if he wants, but he's, he's going to have some fun. Toying with her. Now, going back to Paperboy, the video game, I... But can we just can we point out this part? This is the second scariest thing Freddy Joe, ever does. are we doing a Paperboy the Video Game podcast, or are we doing a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast? Cuts the fingers yeah. off, and green slime jizzes out of the yeah, it's pretty gross. fingers. It should have been thicker and pussier. Well, oh, t- sorry, sorry, Pat, that it didn't more closely resemble actual cum. <laughs> I apologize. I do cum green. <laughs> Whoa. Did you ever see uh, The Watch, the Vince Vaughn movie? I sure did. I think you liked that quite a bit more than I did. I loved it. But my yeah. favorite joke is when the uh, Indian guy is rubbing the green slime between his fingers. And he says, it does feel like cum. The taste, the color, the texture. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's bright green. Yeah. And then you find out later it's an alien. You're like, oh, it's, yeah, it's right. alien cum. Yeah, that's a good, I remember that show. Good Great show. joke. This is amazing special effects right here. It is. Similar to the Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist being thrown around the room. Very similar. Anything Two hotter? Years earlier, by the way. Anything hotter than Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist? We didn't touch uh, on that last episode. I used to really. I, I would like. I would be like, this is going to be my wife. I would like her to be Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist. And any more, any more of a dad than Craig T. Nelson. I know. And what I also love is that that movie's PG, and the parents are getting high up in their bedroom. They're get this sitting in bed getting high. I love that about Poltergeist. I'll tell you what my dream is. You know Sam Rockwell was in the Poltergeist remake. I do. Oh, and in that one they drink a, a half a glass of whiskey instead of getting high, by the way, which tells you everything you need to know about the remake. Yeah. Uh here's my dream. I want to make a coach remake starring Sam Rockwell now. Okay, well it's coming back to TV. I know. So let's if that's get a success. Let's get Sam Rockwell in there. Now who's playing Dauber? Dwayne the Rock Johnson? I'd put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the Dauber role. <laughs> I'd put a Tanning Chatham in the Dauber role. Tanning Chatham? I you're, think you're done drinking. <laughs> we're at, we're twenty minutes in. You just said Tanning Chatham. Oh, Channing Tatum. Sorry, yes. that's great casting though. Yeah, no, it's good cast. I'll see if Tanning's available. There's Michael Jackson from the Beat It video, just hanging out in the. Uh... My take on Channing Tatum has always been that both of his names sound like things you'd call your taint. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. We did that as I wrote that as a joke for the Pete Holmes show. Okay. I said, uh, did they deliver said, it? Yeah. Okay. Said, oh, baby, lick my Channing, <laughs> or lick my Tatum. And then he, and then she goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You know what I mean, my Tatum." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Classic dirty stuff. So, folks, uh, ladies out there, if you ever consider having sex with Joe, just know he might say things like "lick my Channing," referring to his taint. <laughs> 
And he also, upon seeing your butt, might go, ooh, nice. <laughs> so. Nancy is now in the police station with her parents, played by. Comover Jones. John Saxton. John Saxton. From Enter the Dragon fame. And barely clinging to his hair. And a woman who is the most melodramatic actor of all time. I've only ever seen her in... I mean, this is just... <laughs> yeah. Look at the just weepy eyes. She looks like Petunia Pig from the Looney Tunes or something. You know, Who's or, Petunia Pig? Porky's girlfriend. Who Whose girlfriend? Porky's. Like, Minnie Mouse. Mi, Mi, you know, Daisy Duck. You're blending Mickey. all kinds of cartoon worlds right now. I'm saying. They all had their girlfriend, and Petunia Pig was the girlfriend. Okay. They're all boring, bland characters, unfortunately. Okay. This guy should take some of his eyebrows and put it on top of his head. I love John Saxton. Did you ever see Enter the Dragon? Of course, and I, he's in Rambo, right? Uh, no, you're thinking of Richard Crenna. No, I'm not. I think John, I know who Richard Crenna is, but I think I think he might be in Rambo, but maybe he's not. He's in Rambo? I thought he was. Look, I don't know everything. Well, I, I love John Saxton. I mean, like, first blood. Same old, I can't remember the line that he says to, to Black Belt Jones in in Enter the Dragon, but it's great. Oh, Look at this lady hey. hitting the vodka at 7 a.m. Here's, here's something me and this lady have in common. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Paperboy. <laughs> the obstacles in Paperboy, it's like uh, trash can lid, guy with a boom box, uh, you know, rabid dog. Then Don't out, forget rabid no, dog. not even rabid, just a dog. Yeah. And then within seconds, you're face to face with the Grim Reaper. <laughs> well, that's quite an escalation of obstacles, Paperboy. I don't know. Is this a bit? I don't know if it is. Sounds like a bit to Should me. I send this to Jerry Seinfeld. Would send you believe that he? Uh, yeah. He watches. Have you played this Paperboy game? You seen, you seen this thing? Then shows up the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I remember encountering this I guy said, many times in my paper round. I said five minutes ago, I'm dealing with a can of Sprite. Now I'm face to face with grim death. <laughs> uh, I I like uh, I, I don't know if any video game. Uh oh. Has and you don't know who that guy is standing against the tree. Who is he? Is he real? Is he not real? Well, is it in her is head? Is it not? And I've seen this ten times. He's just a dude watching her, man. Like in uh, Donnie Darko. But now he's gone. That orange outfit. I bet they got that from this. Oh, out jumps the Italian and or Puerto Rican kid. Sure. He's got her in the bushes now. He's uh, because no here's, shirt and a leather jacket? Here's what happens. If, you, if you're if you not watching with us, Tina, my favorite girl, is now dead because Freddie killed her with his long arms and her boyfriend that jizzed inside of her just before that happened. Right. Her uh, boyfriend here, played by a young Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> they think that he killed her, so he's on the, he's on the lamb, if you will, yeah. uh, from the cops. Uh, so now he's trying to tell Nancy he didn't do it, but of course the cops show up because her dad's a cop, and uh, they're gonna. He's some for some reason barefoot. He's wearing old navy jeans, no shirt, barefoot, and a leather jacket. He's dressed exactly like Stanley Tucci was in that Levi's commercial he did all those years ago. I know that's a deep cut, people, that's but trust me, it exists. Tucci in this outfit. There's a Stanley Tucci Levi's commercial. It was his, right. one of his first acting jobs. It's out there. Guy's got a body like a rock. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, now this is what I was going to ask: was um, wait a minute? Oh, Paperboy. It wasn't a question. It was what I was going to say about Paperboy. Yeah. I don't know that any video game. Look. Oh, ben by Shea. the way, 
That's the lady from uh, something about Mary. And something about Mary, and now Insidious. And now and Insidious, yeah. She got this role and the Insidious role because her brother Bob Shea is the head of New Line Cinema. But I think she's a great actress in her own right. I love her to pieces. And in Kingpin, she's fantastic. Obviously. I love her to pieces. And something about Mary. And I'd like and to have serious. sex with a young Lynn Shea here. Really? I would absolutely like to. I'm not like going to. that far, but I think she's a handsome woman. I'd like to. I would enjoy that. She's mousy. I like it. Sure. Okay. Great. Uh, now, uh, by the way, third recurring theme, Kingpin, two, two episodes in a row. I, well, well, you figure a movie's at least 90 minutes. I'll never go 90 minutes without talking about Kingpin. Sweet, sweet Kingpin. Look at this shirt. <laughs> that this kid's wearing? Yeah, it looks like a stained glass window. He's a, look, he's a guy that likes a party. Right. He's the guy that has a donkey at his party in the 80s. Do you remember here? Now, this should be a segment on the podcast. When, when was the first time you saw this movie? Do you remember? Oh yeah, man! I was I was eleven years old, and I okay. was obsessed with it. Okay, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I mean, this was my Godfather at eleven years oh, old. Oh, okay. Oh, that's disturbing. Nancy's friend Tina just showed up in a body bag, and uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a worm is going to come out of her mouth in a minute. I think so. Or a snake of some kind. Now, see, because of my fear of VHS horror boxes and the fact that I was not allowed to see R-rated movies until I was actually seventeen years old, which uh, really don't care for my parents doing that to me, especially since I was obsessed with movies my whole life. Sure. Uh, I don't think I saw Nightmare on Elm Street until I was about 17 years old, and I thought, this is pretty scary, but it, I had it built up in my mind as though it was going to ruin my life. It is a scary movie, for sure. Uh, well, the thing I like about 80s horror movies is it, you, you get to notice what how different the, sp- the clothing styles were back then. It's crazy how much things change in so little amount of time. Nancy's dressed like my Aunt Rita. <laughs> well, some of these outfits, you know, are going to... are kind of big in hipster circles like where we live here in the nobody's area. wearing a pink sleeveless sweater yeah, you can see it out there with a collared shirt and khakis baggy khakis this lady shows up in the uh, documentary right, the where's your past lady yeah, she's not great no offense she's great right here when she turns into freddie yeah i take it back she's pretty good yeah she's awesome and there's leaves in the hallway when Nancy starts dreaming. This is this is this is what makes this movie so great. He adds these. Wes Craven was so good at adding these elements to the set, the different sets that really made it feel like a, a nightmare. Like in the beginning, you see loose cattle running for no reason yep. through a watery like boiler room hallway. She's in her. Uh, she's running through her high school now. The the hallways are all dark. There's leaves blowing around. Freddie has the extended arms. These are these are very specific qualities of nightmares and uh, i think that's really what gave this movie yeah i mean i've I've seen it a bunch and it's always feels kind of fresh to me too why do you think because this movie i think cost something like five million and made 50 or something like that you know horror movies usually make good money we can look it up why aren't more horror movies good you well know, like, it's do they, they, I feel like they'll just make anything now, and they're all kind of the same. And why can't like everyone's scared of stuff? Why can't you put your own personal take on a horror movie and make it good? It's my philosophy that horror most of the time gets the porn treatment, and they say, "Well, as long as you have your money shot, it's who cares." Yeah, true. And the money shot in a horror movie is a kill. Uh, and I think that just like with porn, you know, there are the Burt Reynolds guys from Boogie Nights being like, "I want to make a yeah. film." Oh, look, Fred, he had maggots coming that out of his gross. body. 
there are those Burt Reynolds types saying, I want to make a film and yeah. I want to make something truly erotic. And then there are other guys saying, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Have people fuck on camera for as cheap as possible. And that's all that that's all anybody cares about. Now, so, probably the best example of like a porny type horror movie is like the Final Destination series where it's just kill, kill, kill. But those are really fun. Like, at yeah, least put the I time like in series. to have a, a clever kill, you know, at, at the very least. I but like that series. All of those have really good kills. Well, this is why I can't believe that you're a fan of the Jeepers Creepers franchise. Look, maybe I'll rewatch it. I, mean, I really enjoy Jeepers Creepers. Please don't rewatch it till we can rewatch it on here. Yeah, because for sure. I, I just I'm, I'm dumbfounded that you thought that movie was good. I don't know. Sometimes I just happen to be out of the house, you know, when I go to a movie. I'm like, yeah, I like that. What? It came out when we were like <laughs> 17 or something. No, it came out when I was living in New York, so I was 23 years old. Really? Yeah, I liked it. I don't know what to tell you. I had a nice time. Freddie also in these in these original films had a much more pervy sexual vibe to him. Yeah. Does he not later? No, later he's putting on sunglasses and eating pizzas and shit. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of lost like what made him a creep. Isn't Roseanne in like the fifth one? Roseanne She's in the sixth Arnold. one. Okay. They play crazy people in in the town. All right. Yeah, it's it's Freddy's Dead is 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 an abomination. I mean, it's you know I, I still watch it. Yeah, because it's just you know it's it's bad fun. But like, and you also own and I I guess must enjoy the Freddy TV show, right? I own every episode. Oh, okay, it's a shit show. Congrats, Joe. You do you like the show? No. <laughs> Why do you own it's it? Fucking terrible. A friend just of mine you're gave a completist? it to me. Oh, okay. I'm a completist. Yeah, I enjoy the fact that I own it. Yeah. And I enjoy watching it with people to be like, look at this. Right. But it's, you know, so for camp fact value, I enjoy it. But no, it's I can't stand by it in any way. Is it uh, he's haunting a new person each week or is there a cast that we follow or what goes on? Well, you know how everybody who is a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street thinks, you know, if they only would do this without Freddy. (laughs) That's who that that's who the show's for. He's in, like, two episodes, and the other ones are just, like, about people living in nightmares. And oh. that's it. And he's not, Is and England in the other ones? He's He hosts all of them, okay, but like it's the literally, he's like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. And then there's two episodes that the Freddy character is actually in. You think England's, And even those aren't that great. Huh? What, what kind of house do you think England's living in? Like, is he doing all right? Uh, he's got to be, man. I mean, it's, it's the money he must have made off of this but thing. People are often wrong. You know, like he probably made fifty thousand for this, and then by the end, at the very most, he's getting a million. You know, and that that money is twenty five years old at this point. Well, look, let's. I mean, here's the thing: there's they couldn't do this series without him. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that by the third movie he wasn't like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. If you want to do this, what this if they is gave how. Him some this- shitty contract where like. Here, you're only going to get X amount of dollars, no matter how many times we do this. Well, let's let's look up Robert England. All right. Celebrity net worth. Is there any reliance on this? How do they know it on celebrity net worth? I don't, that's why I'm asking. Is this yeah. in any, any, any way reliable, or is this just a shit show? No, I think people would be a lot more upset website. if everyone knew exactly what they 14 made. Million. All right. I'm getting $14 million. I'll buy that. He was, how much do you think he made for The Adventures of Ford Fairlane starring Andrew Dice Clay? I mean, look, even if you make scale on a movie like that, the unions make sure that you get your residuals and stuff. That movie made money even though it was, wasn't was as big as it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's you true. Know? That's true. So, I mean, you know, 
I, I, I'd imagine it's, it was pretty decent. I'd imagine. Yeah. What I love when you go back and watch documentaries about old movies, which I always do if, it, if they're available on the DVD. I love that shit. Yeah, the make like the making of. Right. They always I have a good how... name. It'll be like, it'll be like, it'll be like Ford Fairlane: The Adventures of Creating a Movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who framed Roger Rabbit? I'll tell you who framed the movie Roger Rabbit: the the people who shot and directed it. <laughs> like, wow, that's the title you went with. Uh, anyway, I love how, especially like in this. Like, I watched a lot of this Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. It's about eight hours long. It's so long, but it's Everybody great. in it seems hurt that their character... They think... I don't know how they went ahead and made Nightmare on Elm Street 4 without janitor number two. It's like janitor number two's opinion. Right. You know, everybody in it is like, I was shocked that I wasn't asked back. Right. As though people are wondering what happened to, like, the guy who died at the end of Nightmare on Elm Street 8. Right. I mean, this is such a great shot. Nancy's in the bathtub. Legs I mean, that's spread. a poster right there. That's a... Claw coming out. They did this in the remake. I was very happy that they paid tribute to this scene yeah. in the remake, and they didn't really change it. Um, Okay, maybe I do want to have sex with Nancy, and she lays there spra- spread eagle <laughs> in a bathtub. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Tasty. Oh, Joe. I'm kidding. Come on. Who's Who? bath pillow? It's Who ridiculous. has that bath pillow in the tub with them? Well, although, let me ask you this. Look binder. at the towel, look at the bath pillow, look at the sheet. They're all that same color of blue. Is that telling you anything? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Does blue signify evil or something? Blue signifies... Maybe it signifies Freddy's coming. Because so far, every time we see him blue, Freddy shows up. <clears throat> well, let's look that up. All right. I like this scene a lot. Yeah, this is a great, great, is... great scene. Look at the that little nudity right there. Once again, getting pulled under water in a bathtub, and it's an endless, a bottomless sea. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just good. It's good nightmare stuff. I agree. They know how to do this. What? I And I know a good nightmare because I wake up nearly every night nearly screaming because I have night terrors. A little you fun do? fact about me. I do. I wake I'm, up every night like I'm in a horror movie and go, <gasps> I'm not looking forward to that when we're like the odd couple and live together. <laughs> you mean like in three months? <laughs> When my house was foreclosed. Well, join the club on that one. <laughs> uh, I was, I, I have it happen a whole lot, and it's not a, it's no way to live. I don't know what it says about me, but I have a real problem with it. With the night terrors? Yep. You're about the third or fourth friend I've had. Look, there's another towel. And the bathrobe is blue. Look, and the hand towel saying. is blue. All right, this is what Shyamalan's I found. Shyamalan's big on that, color coding his movies. This is what I found. Ready? Let's see if we can make any link here. Do it. Blue symbolizes trust, loyalty, wisdom, confidence, intelligence, faith. Wait, you just looked up what does blue represent in general, not in this movie? Yeah, but I'm saying let's. Oh, all right. Sure, I'm sure Wes Craven didn't go, I'm gonna, the door is blue to the house. The front door Look, is the same color blue. I think I really made a big discovery here. Blue symbolizes trust, loyalty, wisdom, confidence, intelligence, faith, truth, and heaven. Death. Heaven. Yeah, baby. Blue is considered beneficial to the mind and body. It slows human metabolism and produces a calming effect. Dreams. Okay. Sleep. Yeah. Dreams. Yeah. Blue is strongly associated with tranquility and calmness. That is, it, it has a meaning. Mm-hmm. The people, it's, it's, it's featured every time the people are having nightmares, being killed by Freddy, because it's calming, it's soothing, it makes them go to sleep. That's, uh, that's very interesting. 
I think that's what it is. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Now here, Skeet Ulrich comes in this exact same way and screams. Does he really? Yeah, through the window. Johnny Depp's coming through the window of Heather Langenkamp's bedroom. Yeah. He's climbed the thorny rose bush vine outside of the house. Now, when I was a kid, the only way I could watch R-rated movies was if they were on Channel 11. Look, he's got blue sweatpants on now. Look, I've made a really great discovery here. Uh, this is nuts. It's all over the fucking place. It's all place. over the fucking place. Look at that tush. Who, on John or Heather? <laughs> uh, let's pretend I'm talking about Heather. Heather also has like a giant mosquito bite on her forehead or a zit or something. She does, but I like that they left it there. That's like in The Witches of Eastwick. There's a scene where Michelle Pfeiffer has a huge cold sore on her lip. Really? And it's real. And the director oh, wow. was like, no, leave it because you're, you're sickly in this scene, and that makes you more human. Oh, wow. And she went with it. You know who that director was? George Miller, director of Mad Max. He did Witches of Eastwick? He sure did. I mean, Witches And Babe, and Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, only the second one. Yeah. Uh, I had a tweet once. Uh, I'm looking for a babe in the streets and a babe pig in the city in the sheets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I still think that's funny. I mean, I mean, I, I would have went like this. I'm looking for a babe, and by that I mean a pig in the city. <laughs> sure. I well, would have went like that. All right, probably less funny. She looks I think it's tighter, and that's how you get to it. Well, <laughs> you're, you're you know, connecting. It, it had somewhere in the 178 faves range. Oh, so God, I guess yeah. America thought differently. All right, sorry. Um, uh, George Miller. Now, Wick, Witches of East, Eastwick, yeah. which, what bothers me is, did, was Witches of East End, the TV show, in any way linked to it? No, not linked at all. They just ripped it off like that? Yeah. It's embarrassing. Uh, I. I was just about to say, and now she's gone, but Langenkamp looks exactly, not it looks exactly like, but gives me a very similar vibe to Jennifer Jason Lee in, like, Fast Times, which came out the same year. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee, there's another one, just just smoking 80s hot. You know, Joe, these, these women have lives and personalities. <laughs> it's not just, you know, pieces of meat. All right, fair enough, but I do love her. You'll be apologizing for that next week, like I apologize for my thing. I mean, I just, it's a very apologizing, look, heavy time in American culture. I don't think Jennifer Jason Lee would be upset if she heard me say no. "smoking hot." Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I love uh, JJL. She's been great in so many things. There's a great movie called Georgia where she plays an alcoholic, uh, and she does like a, a ten minute like terrible. She thinks she's a great singer, mm-hmm. and her sister actually is a really good singer. So then, like, she does this 10-minute Van Morrison song, and it sounds so terrible, and she's so wasted that it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. Check that out. Georgia. I'm sure it's not on DVD. It's a VHS maybe only. I don't know how you're going to watch. How do people watch movies that aren't on DVD? Uh, Netflix streaming like we are right now. Well, this is on DVD and Blu-ray, I guess. Sure. I have a huge VHS collection, but nobody has a VCR anymore. Uh, I had a tremendous VHS collection. I had, Uh, like, a basement wall covered. The uh, prized uh, possession, or the centerpiece of it, was the film Fatso, starring Dom DeLuise. Sure, I remember with Anne Bancroft. Can't get the fucking thing on DVD. It's $150 on DVD. Met Peter, not, I'm sorry, met, uh, not Peter DeLuise, the other DeLuise kid. Michael DeLuise. Michael DeLuise, yeah. in a diner recently. Okay. Told him how much I love Fatso. He said, I have an original poster, I'll give it to you. That's awesome. Never heard from him again. Was I gotta DeLuise find him. I gotta go. I, we gotta go find Michael DeLuise right now. I don't think it's gonna be that hard. I don't know him. Is he on I mean, Twitter? I don't know. My friend knew him. 
I got to find him. I had always heard tell that Dom DeLuise was a closet gay man. I don't know if that's true. I had heard that, too. I don't think so, though. I think he just was a, a mildly effeminate guy. Yeah. He's, he was Michael DeLuise, great guy. One of the nicest, like, the gentlest eyes I've ever seen in a man. <laughs> okay. Seriously. And right. was thrilled. I was apologetically saying to him, I love the movie Fatso, and I'm sure you get this all the time. Yeah. He was so clearly touched. Well, it's all, now here's this is what I always say because we live in here in Los Angeles we see a lot of celebrities of all of all uh, sure ranges yeah A list down to your Z list and the good rule of thumb is like if you go up to Tom Cruise and you're like Tommy I love Top Gun right he might humor you but he doesn't care and he doesn't want to talk to you if you go up to like I saw Richard Real in a diner the other day who the hell is that Richard Real was in Office Space. He was the guy who goes, it's a jump to conclusions, Matt. I love that guy. And he was on Cheers, and he was also, you're going to love this connection. Remember last night I brought up Mysterious Skin about the pedophile? Yeah. He played a John, like a a John who picked up a a street kid to, like, have sex with him. So in the movie, he has sex with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's like a disgusting hotel pervert. And how old is Levitt in the movie? 18. But, but like, is he playing a kid though? Yeah, you know he's pl- well, you know he's playing like a teenager. He's supposed to be like fifteen in it. He got molested and now he's like a hustler. Okay, I got you. But uh, so Richard Real's sitting there, and I was I, I was saying to the person I was with, I was like, Richard Real's the kind of guy who you go up to him in a diner and you're like, hey man, you're just the best character actor, and I always love seeing you and stuff, and sure. you're so funny in Office Space and blah blah blah. And he would talk to you for an hour and be so flattered and go home and tell his wife that sure. some some kid came up to him in a diner. And I didn't do it. But, like, those are the people who love being approached. Why didn't approached, you do it? I think. Because he left. While I was talking about how these people love being approached, he left. This is another great nightmare detail yep. when Nancy's trying to run up the steps and she's stepping in marshmallow. Mm-hmm. The steps are turning into marshmallow. Great point. This just is a dream. It's not real. This is just a dream. It's not real. That's what she keeps saying. And then, boom, through the mirror, Freddy. What Good a great scare. shot. Good scare. What a great shot, man. Um, let me – I want to tweet out right now that we're watching this. Do it. And that people should be sending us questions. So if you could talk for a moment. Well, now, I do, do I need to say one, two, three tweet before you no, push No, I'm just going to – I know you like a countdown, Joe. A lot of smart mouth coming from you tonight. Uh why don't you just say, by the way, you are you have off tomorrow? Uh, I do have off tomorrow, yes. I'm off on script. I mean, do we take this party on the town after this podcast? Yeah, let's go get drunk. We're sitting here sipping whiskeys. That sounds fantastic. I got a late morning tomorrow. Tomorrow's my non-workout day. Yeah, you're exactly like me, Joe, in that if a a drop of alcohol touches your lips, you want to go drink until 2 in the morning. So yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's a problem. It's a sad, pathetic quality. Yeah, you're never going to be like, yeah, I'll have a beer. You have the beer, and then you have <laughs> 17 beers. But I should say, this isn't a drunk podcast, and we're not drunk. We're not drunk, but I mean, we've had, we're I had two wines before this, and then a... I'm sipping this delicious whiskey. And, oh, I didn't know about the wine. And I'm watching my uh, uh, one of my favorite movies with my, one of my best pals. I mean, you oh, know. thanks, John. That's sweet of you. I don't... Uh... Keep talking because i got to tweet this. Okay. Yeah, going back to VHS, I had this huge collection. and It's like everybody who bought Beanie Babies and thought they were going to be rich. Or like, I have all these baseball cards. I thought I was going to retire at age 21 from my baseball card collection. They're all worth nothing at this point. So my VHS, I get on Amazon. I'm like, yeah, I can get some money for these. They're, they're classics. 
you can't get it one penny for a VHS unless it's not available on DVD or it's gone out of print. So I sold a VHS copy of Rad, the BMX biking movie. I remember you telling me this. For nearly $500. And it was in not, I put on there, not good condition. The box was completely beaten up. I stole it from a blockbuster video that I worked at. And I got $500 off it. Five hundred. What did you pay for it? I stole it. I worked at Blockbuster. I sold it to myself for like two dollars. No, I didn't oh, steal. God it. Almighty, are we past the statute of limitations on a hard crime? Well, they like fired this? me for other things, so listen, I don't really care. That's a terrible co- company, and they're out of business, so they listen, can't do anything. Better. I think maybe you should go down to Barbados until things blow over. <laughs> Blockbuster fired me because I was making too much money. My and friend I was said making that eight twenty-five an hour at the time. My friend Mike Bello said that to me once back in high school. I was I had a job and. And uh, or I'm sorry, it wasn't my job. It was a place where my buddy worked, and he gave me free food or something. Yeah, I was panicking. I was panicking that we were going to get in trouble. And then moral people, Joe. And I was, I was just, I was going on and on to Mike about like, am I okay? Do you think I'm going to go to jail? And he said, I think you need to go to Barbados until things blow (laughs) over. I mean, it it was it was such a sharp comment for a a 17 year old kid. Uh, The other movie i had which made me some money was somebody gave me as a christmas white elephant uh you know gag gift thing a vhs copy of a movie called gator bait and (laughs) essentially it was like kind of a deliverance knockoff but it had like a playboy playmate on the cover sure and it was an exploitation movie where she gets sexually assaulted in the bayou and then she goes to kill everybody who wronged her so i was like ha funny gag gift i never opened it cut to 10 years later Gator Bait is only available on VHS, and I have a new sealed copy of it, and I sold it on Amazon for like two fifty. Jesus Christ! That's what you got to do. You got to you got to watch the market, people. Speaking of Gator Bait, I almost bought. I'll spit on your grave. Recently, I was out in the uh, Ridge, up in Toronto. Uh, I almost bought the remake. I never, I'd never seen the remake. I've seen the original, and that remake was so miserable. And I didn't buy it. I was so like, I don't need movie. to see this. It's it's just too depressing. Yeah. It was Too really much. depressing. Just, I don't. It, it's it has tapered off considerably, but there was about a three year window, in about maybe the mid two thousands, where rape was an element of every horror movie, and it bothered me so much. There's a lot of these like, like weird, like Last House on the Left, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and which was also a Wes Craven remake. Now, but there was that one in the woods with like Stallone's son. That, what? that one was like, I don't know. It's just like where every scare is like watching a woman get raped for 25 minutes. What I'm the glad hell that movie era is this? Of, of movies is over. Let me look it up. Uh, while it's Pat Stallone. looks that up, uh, we are now at the funeral scene of Rick, the guy that killed Tina. Yeah. You know, this is a, since it's a horror movie podcast, probably 45 dudes just went, yelled the name of the movie at this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm usually that guy, by the way, but I don't remember this. One. If you're watching along with us, you would have just seen that Rick had the saddest funeral on planet Earth. Apparently, he had no parents or family; <laughs> it was just Nancy and her folks, and a couple loose friends and old ladies. Sure, uh, John Saxon now coming in. Nobody believes you, Nancy. Nobody believes you that a supernatural burn man is killing your friends. Nobody wants to hear it. This is. One of the things I hate about horror movies is they always have to have this part where the person's like, don't you get it? 
The oh, clowns yeah. are doing it. <laughs> and p- everybody's like, yeah, you, why don't you get some sleep, sweetheart? You know? <laughs> well, look, if I came over here tonight and you were like, Pat, don't you see? The birds are going to kill us all. I'd be like, Joe, what the hell's wrong with you? You never believe that person. But why does nobody ever say, you've been perfectly sane until this point? <laughs> this yeah. is the first. I'm going to go ahead and give you the benefit of the Crazy doubt. thing you've ever said. Let's spend five minutes exploring this as a real possibility. Yeah, nobody ever goes. Nobody ever goes. You know, Nancy, if it weren't for you painting your name on the wall with your own shit, <laughs> we'd believe you. Yeah, exactly. Nobody ever says that. Everybody's like, "Well, you're sound of sound mind, but yeah. fuck it. I don't know what you're nuts now." Yeah. Well, you're my daughter, and I love you more than anyone in the world. But Charles I'm, I'm, Fleischer, by the way, the voice of Roger Rabbit. Exactly. And we said, "Who framed Roger Rabbit?" By the way, I thought of the perfect name for a, for a documentary about who framed Roger Rabbit. Do it. Who framed Who framed Roger Rabbit? Beautiful. About that'd be about the the shooting of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, Charles Fleischer was also amazingly good and creepy in Zodiac, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. He's wonderful in Zodiac. Charles Fleischer is uh, so good in Zodiac. Yeah. And everybody and there's 800 speaking roles in Zodiac, and everybody in it is perfect. A bit of a horror movie veteran, uh, Charles Fleischer. Also, uh, one of the uh, one of the cast members of uh, Demon Knight, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Never saw it. I only saw Bordello of Blood, which I. Was watching Bordello of Blood outside of the Dennis Miller scenes where he's just being like funny. Yeah, is not good. Being allegedly funny, he is funny in that. Okay, he is funny in that when he probably she wrote his own dialogue. He's funny in Joe Dirt. Yeah, when he when she's looking, the, my favorite line in Bordello of Blood is when she's looking for she's a PI. Yeah, and she's looking for her brother who's missing, played by Corey Feldman. Yeah. And she goes, my brother's been missing. I need your help. And she shows him the picture of Corey Feldman, and he starts laughing. Uh-huh. At the picture, and he goes, "Oh, I got to put this in a locket." <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I should check that out. Uh, now, again, now back to Zodiac. The scene where the Zodiac killer kills those two teenagers at the lake. Yeah, and Zodiac's not really a horror movie, but that is by far one of the scariest scenes in movie history. One Dude, of the most that disturbing part's scary. That history. part's scary when he goes to the guy's house and he thinks like he might have found the Zodiac, and he's not sure. Yeah, Zodiac. I mean, it, it's probably three hours long. I could. I there was a a summer, not long ago, where I watched that movie every night for like two weeks. I was obsessed with it. Yeah, it was a great flick. Robert. That was the first movie where I was like, oh my god, Robert Downey Jr. is an amazing actor. Yeah, and that so was, was fucking comeback. Gyllenhaal, frankly. Yeah. yeah, but that was Downey Jr.'s comeback. That was the first movie I think that he did after That's he got true. off the drugs and everything. Yeah, and it was like, holy shit, this guy's like no joke, man. Oh, he killed it. He was fun. You were like really. It was really really funny, which. You know, he kind of brought that to the part. It wasn't really on the page. Uh, this movie that I'm talking about was 2005 called Chaos. Right in the heart of, like, rape horror movies, 2005. Four sadistic thieves, including Sage Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's son, who died recently. Did he die? Did he commit suicide or did he just die? I think he had an overdose. That's a shame. They brutalized That's two sad. teenagers looking for drugs in the woods. Okay. So there you go. And it's a- so now, bad. Is Sage one of the bad guys or good guys? He's one of the torturers. But you know what I remember the most? And I I shut the movie off at this point, but they cut off the girl's nipple. Oh, come on. Like, what are we doing? 
I like a horror movie to be a little fun, and I realize a lot of people like depraved shit. I, I don't. You know what? Nipples are fun, but not when they get cut off. No, I like a nipple attached. I always have. Let's get back to... Call me old-fashioned, Joe. Good old-fashioned nipple showing. I don't like a nipple being cut off. Uh, if you're watching along with us, we're in the hospital scene now where they're trying to monitor Nancy's dreams. And they just had one of those machines where... Uh, which I never buy, like those machines with all the pens where the ink lines are going squiggly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean who, who who was able to read that? <laughs> and the doctors always look at it. They go, no no movement. They might not no even use them in actual movement. doctor's office. It might only be a, like a movie-only construct. I don't believe it's a real machine. It's yeah, absurd. It it's like the lie detector. I don't believe blue it door, exists. Baby. I do not believe it exists. I pointed out the blue door. The fi- but the final scare of this, if I'm not mistaken, is Freddie coming out that blue door, right? He grabs her at like at the end of Carrie. Uh, yes. 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 Go, and you can't. And Wes Craven did not like that ending originally. Come on, Wes. It's a great ending. It's okay. It's kind of defeats what it is, which is she defeats Freddie. I'm not scared of you anymore. He disappears. Yeah. And then he just magically comes back in what is supposed to be real life. Okay. So, it's a good horror movie ending, but I remember Wes Craven saying, like, you know, it it was merely just a setup for a sequel, and he didn't think that that was the point of making the movie. Nice buns, Nancy. (laughs) Remember when Wes Craven directed, like, one non-horror movie called Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep, and then never did a non-horror movie I refused to watch it. I saw it. That was during a time where I saw every movie. And then gave it a letter grade in a spiral notebook. Oh, God. That Jesus was my God. life, people. Uh, now, here's... And I think I gave Music of the Heart a C+. <laughs> what was it about? Meryl Streep's maybe teaching poor kids or deaf kids or poor deaf kids or mm-hmm. something. About but the music. kids never live under stairs or turn evil or anything like no, that? No, 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 no. Okay, well, I don't have no interest. Now, I'll tell you a Wes Craven movie I remember watching... In maybe junior high, that is so bad. It's called Shocker. Well, it's Pat, I swear to God, I was just about to bring up Shocker. Bring it up, Joe. I also think Shocker sucks. Here's the thing: Wes Craven said he that, thought it was a commentary on the media, right? Well, I believe that is true, but he also said that he never got his what he thought was fair royalties for the franchise of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so. He said, I decided I was going to create another franchise and not make the same mistakes I did contractually like I did with Nightmare on Elm Street. And then he made Shocker. He and thought that it, was going to be it. And it was terrible. Yeah. I felt bad for him. I have such respect for the man, but I felt bad for him that that didn't work out. But well, then that, he came back with Scream, and I was like, okay, now he got it with Scream. He nailed it with Scream. And Scream's great. But yeah. Wes, Wes Craven, now you do have to ask yourself, how do you write and direct this thing? And then... He made so many bad movies. How does it all happen? You know, like how well, do he people? Made, he made he made bad ones and good ones. It it seems to be the how do people make movies that are so bad and then so good? And music is the same way. It's just sure. it's scary. You sure. know, it really is scary because you and I are both in the creative fields. The biggest fear I have in my entire life, beyond death and anything else, is losing my ability to be funny or good at what I do. Well, as you know. Yeah, look, I, you know, I used to be real hard on guys. You know, I'd be like, I'd be like, you know, why did John Carpenter make this many good ones and then these other ones that kind of sucked or whatever? Oh, it was a perfect movie and then so many bad movies. But you know what it is? 
I, I finally realized, like, well, everybody doesn't have the advantage I do of being a stand-up where it's like, no, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Put it out or don't. And nine times out of ten, they will, and it's fine. Um, but you know as a writer, and I've staff written, you know, it, it, things get picked apart. Things get changed around. People get last-minute doubts, and everybody has a hand on it. And then by the end of it, sometimes the final product isn't what you want it to be, especially with a horror movie. That's true, if you're dealing but with the Craven studio and system. Carpenter kind of had, I think they pretty much had free reign in the 80s and early 90s. But if you look, if you look, there's a clear line that gets drawn with, Craven's a great example, in the jump from a young new line cinema, which was not a big boy studio, Mm -hmm. it was a very indie studio, it was very grassroots. They call it the studio that Freddie built, the house that Freddie built. Right. I mean, and who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, I hear it every day in the coffee shop. (laughs) Uh, but they do, there's they, a clear li- there's a clear line in quality that gets drawn when it jumps to the major studio stuff. Yeah. Now I think they let him dance a little more to his own rhythm with the Scream movies. Well, Scream was written by Kevin Williamson, so that's a different thing too. It was, and I also think for some reason they give more slack with slasher movies. You know, they said this with the when the slasher they, movies are they're a little anything without a supernatural element is a little more legit, I think, because it could really happen. And they let they let horrific things go a little a little more with the like you watch the opening of Scream, it's 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 disturbing. Yeah. Like Oh for sure. They cut they cut the he cuts uh uh Drew Barrymore's throat. She's gargling on her own blood. It's it's very disturbing. I was terrified by Scream when I saw it. And now it's more of comedy. It works as more comedy, but it's a really good movie. They but, all are. But, you Except know, for. when they did the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, they said one thing we want to do is we want to make him look truly like a burn victim. Right. And then they said, well, we had to reel it back because we didn't want people to, like, turn away from the screen every time they saw him because it was disturbing. I'm like, no, make it disturbing. Yeah. I want a monster that sticks in my head and gives me nightmares. That's why The Exorcist freaks me out so much. Yeah. She's so scary looking. You rarely get that. And who played Freddy in the new one? Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, yeah. That was a good call. He's great at playing a creep. He's great at everything. He plays mostly pedophiles now. Again, Ugh. little children. Uh, it's my girlfriend, uh, when that movie at the time, my yeah. girlfriend at the time, when that movie came out, gave it to me on DVD. And I remember uh, talking to a comedian named Julian McCullough about it. And I said, I love Julian McCullough. Yeah, I said, uh, my girlfriend just gave me a copy of Little Children. And he said, you should examine your relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> Good movie and a good book. Tom the movie is, I mean, there's the, the literally the most disturbing scene I've ever seen in a movie is when he's jerking off in front of the school on his date. Sure. And the woman starts crying. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, well, once again, pedophilia rears its head on the We'll See You in Hell podcast. Yeah, we need to stop. Look at this lady. She's got a very bizarre, she looks like Virginia Madsen is melting, the lady from Sideways. She's just why am I being so, so mean to this woman? What's wrong with She's me? so dramatic. I love. I find her sexy in She's a strange sexy. way. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, all liquored up. By the way, what's on the back of Nancy's sweatshirt? That's my type, there? all liquored up. <laughs> uh, Pajam- Nancy, pajamas all day, bathrobe <laughs> all liquored up. Yeah. A nice vodka drunk. Sure. Why? Why is a why is an alcoholic mother always a vodka drunk? Well, because that's that's that is true to life. I think. And now there's so many delicious flavors of vodka it's a great time to be an alcoholic mother or aunt (laughs) 
You got toasted marshmallow vodka. And I'd go my own way. I'd be doing Jaeger bombs the whole time. I get that. That's it. Just straight Jaeger bombs. You one know, after the next. What's interesting? We talked about her. You know, her having a zit, and now she has kind of a red nose, and et cetera. Like the '80s. We're talking about Anthony Michael Hall earlier because of vacation. Like all the teenagers had zits. They were real. This is in the the studio movies, the indie movies. They, the teenagers were real. Yeah. Now, you can't find a teenager on screen who doesn't look like she's been airbrushed, and it's not real. Everyone's ugly and awkward and weird when they're teenagers. No, you're absolutely right. And if I may point out, uh, the scene we're in now, uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is wearing a... He's wearing a belly shirt. Yeah. and Which I like. Uh, (laughs) But he's also in his bedroom, poster on the wall, Rush... Grace Under Pressure. Never realized that was the poster. Never saw that either. Uh, Love Rush, one of my favorite bands. And the poster, predominantly blues and purples. It's the only Rush album. Actually, Counterparts also has a blue album cover, but it wasn't out yet. Up until this point, that was the bluest of the... Yeah, I love it. Blue phone. Blue phone. Johnny Depp on a tan phone. She probably blew Johnny Depp earlier. Oh, uh, you guys, geez. I'm just trying to have fun. Jeez. And he said, don't rush it. <laughs> have some grace under pressure. <laughs> Look at this, folks. This is why we write the TV shows. Sure. I just watched, do I, don't, I never liked comedy. Rush. I just watched a Rush documentary that I loved also on Netflix. Instantly. Oh, it's uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage? Loved it. It's tremendous. It's great. It's fucking tremendous. I, I might go see them next week. Actually, yeah? it's this weekend. Where are they playing? The Forum or the Staples? Uh, I think the Forum. I can't I go. It's, it's my out. buddy's party. I can't go. I never saw them. They were never my bag, but whatever. I, I like saw them, them once. I respect them. I saw them once, and I was so drunk that I weeped during Spirit of Radio. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's rough. where I'm at in my life at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. Well, that was three years ago, but whatever. <laughs> uh, here's the famous line. Don't fall asleep. She just told you, Johnny. Don't fall asleep. She's not fucking around here. Even These, you don't believe her. Look, nobody believes her that this guy's coming into their nightmares. Nobody believes her. Here's why there aren't more great horror movies or great comedies or great whatever. Blue blanket on Johnny Depp's bed. True. Sorry to cut you off. That's but. all right. The reason is, I think, that kind of one-line premise, if you fall asleep, you're dead, is obviously such a perfect... You walk into any studio and you go, hey... I got a movie where if you fall asleep, you die. They'll hand you an oversized novelty check. Right. Uh, and the, the, those premises just don't come along that often because if they did, somebody would have thought of it. Sure. And comedy's the same way. Like the the 40-year-old virgin. I would imagine somebody walked in, Judd Apatow, I guess, walked into a studio and said, the 40-year-old virgin, and they said, here's money. Right. Because it's perfect. Like, And those things are, are, they seem so easy to come up with, but they're not. Right. A simple one-line premise. And that's why whenever I ask somebody, somebody's like, hey, can you read a script of mine? I'm like, yeah, well, what's it about? And they go, okay, so there's this guy, right? And he's like an air traffic controller. But he never really – and I'm like, okay, this movie is not going to happen. Right. You need to, for better or worse, be able to say, here's the movie in one sentence. Right. I agree. Especially for comedy, especially for horror. And I that agree. Makes, if you want, if you want any sort of success, if you want somebody to give you some money, you want to do a weird indie. You know, you can't explain David Lynch's movies in one sentence. Sure, but you know, those aren't the big hits. I well, I I would agree I with you. Love David Lynch, by the way, I love that David Lynch. Uh, I I would agree. Um, my favorite types of horror movies are horror movies that establish very simply: there's no escape. You have to face the fear. Yeah. 
So, uh, like Marine that, Street. That's why when people go to these movies, they poke holes in them. Like, I used to only go to the Magic Johnson Theater to see. I thought you were going to say to Magic Johnson's <laughs> movies. I, I, was like, I didn't no. know he made films. I would only go to the Magic Johnson Theater in Compton here in L.A. because for horror movies because I loved people shouting out at the screen. Mm-hmm. And I would have so much fun and laugh and yell out myself at times and stuff. But if people are watching your movie and they can be like, don't do that, you idiot. What do you do? Like, right. that means nobody's buying your shit. Right, right. What you're saying is they can't have an out, and then that's truly scary. They don't have an out. It's truly scary. All the best horror movies, there's no out. Nightmare on Elm Street, you fall asleep, you die. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all the hillbilly inbreds are running the town. You can't get away from them. Yeah. Uh, the Exorcist, your daughter is possessed by the devil. Right. You have to stay here with her. Yeah, sure. um, Look at that mask on the wall, by the way. Look at this look at bod this. on Nancy. Taking Holy it off. Lord. We're only getting it from the back, but it is delish. You know, when I was a kid, because it's all I saw, something about a rear side bottom boob is almost sexier than the whole thing. I love it still to this day, but that little small of the back right there, you could really grasp that waist. <laughs> all right, take it easy. Uh, Take it easy. I'm getting worked up here. Take it easy. Uh, but I was watching Mirrors today, and I thought, once again, brilliant premise for a horror movie. What's everywhere, and you can't get away from them? But isn't that kind of what Poltergeist 3 was? Mirrors, water, puddles? Uh, yeah, but Mirrors did it way better, I guess. All right. Do you like Mirrors? I don't remember. I enjoyed it very much. I remember Poltergeist 3 was terrible. Uh, Poltergeist 3 is, to me, unwatchably bad. As much as I love Tom Skerritt. Sure. I, I saw Poltergeist guys too the day I got braces. Maybe the scene where the kid's braces attack him. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved Poltergeist too. Now that I'm older, I don't like it as much. But no, that, but it's not a bad movie. That preacher anyway. guy's still a lot of fun. From Phantasm, right? Same guy? No, not the same guy. Are we sure? Positive. Angus Scrim? Okay. It's not Angus Scrim. All right. Phantasm Five, eagerly awaiting that. It's made. It's done. Still hasn't come out yet. Theatrical release, or you think it'll go straight? to No, nah, it'll go straight to vid. But, uh, but I mean, you know, the guy that did Phantasm did John dies at the end. He did Bubba Hotep. Right. He does a lot of great stuff. Don Coscarelli. Yes. Never uh, saw John dies at the end. I liked Bubba Hotep a lot. But he's got Phantasm Five. As I Could believe this lady get it together for Christ's sake. I mean, she's stashing bottles all over the house. This lady. I don't think, and I I've been a a big advocate of drinking for about ten years. I don't think I've ever drank out of a bottle of liquor. I did uh, once recently. My friends and I went out for a big party night, and we were starting at a at a girl's apartment. And I bought. I finally did this. I always wanted to do this. Bought one of those little glass pint bottles of whiskey. Oh, I've done that. Sure. And just drank the whole thing at her house. It was a lot of fun. Smoking <laughs> cigarettes. I felt like yeah. a real like I was on the case. But you never picked up like the ten pound bottle of Jack to your lips. Yeah. No. I don't stash. Like Nancy's mom does, <laughs> a, a, a three liter <laughs> of uh, right, sure. vodka in the in the linen closet, sure. along with the one in the kitchen that I hide behind my back. Yeah, yeah. There's Johnny Depp's dad. He's not a good actor. That Man. guy looks like he gave birth to Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, viable. I had a friend tonight. I had that phone when I was a kid. I had to answer. Here, talk about horror. I had to answer every phone call until I was. Uh, 17 until I left the got out of the house basically I had to answer every phone call hello Walsh residence Patrick speaking who made you do that my dad what was he a Nazi well no comment <laughs> hello Walsh <laughs> residence Patrick speaking and my friends would be like Pat it's Ryan like what the f- what's wrong with you who the hell yeah what is that bullshit and then even like my dad's friends would be like why do you have to say that can I just talk to your dad I'm like I'm sorry uh now if you noticed it's we've we've passed it but 
They just showed exterior shots of the houses a moment ago. Both houses draped in blue light. She's wearing a blue members-only jacket with a blue phone and a blue uh, bedspread. Patty, you really cracked into something here I with really the blue. Did. Blue man. robe, baby. You really cracked into something here. I'm proud of you, man. Thank you. Blue towels in the closet. Blue towels. In the linen closet. Oh. Blue phone is now ringing. Blue tissues on the on the shelf. Blew my mind. That's what it did. Blue phone is, is now that ringing. The police unplugged. in the back. That's the police, right? That's the police. And her Love dad's a cop. What do you think of that? Uh oh. Blue painting Good on the call. wall. Yeah, they really did their work here. I. Uh, this is the part where the tongue comes out of right. the phone. Hold on. Here we go. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> that was always gross. What do you think Freddie's breath smells like when he licks her face like that? That's not good, man. No? I went to uh, film school, and I took a class where this uh, professor would talk. He'd make every movie into a gay movie. It all had a gay subtext. And it was fascinating how he did it. Like, some, like he would talk about Rebecca, the old Hitchcock movie, where clearly the maid is like has a lesbian interest in her. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, and you're like, oh, shoot, you're right. I never saw Rebecca. Is it good? It's it's a great movie, especially with that bit of information. But then, like, he'd watch Die Hard, and he'd be like, well, clearly John McClane is gay. And the room would kind of laugh, and then by the end of the class, and it wasn't, the class wasn't, like, finding gay subtext in movies. He just did it. So, like, you'd be like, maybe John McClane is gay. <laughs> he was a fascinating man. By the way, Johnny Depp asleep on the bed now. Blue sweatpants, blue number 10 on the belly shirt. And now he's dead. And there's another blue blanket on the bed. He just got pulled in the bed by Freddy, and now a blood fountain shoots out, which I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, it's a good shot. You only get one take of a blood fountain shooting out of a bed. Yeah, this is it. What do you think? I guess they must have poured it in, or how do they do that? It looks like it's it's going in reverse, maybe. That's an upside-down room. Okay, yes. I can't believe I have to explain that to you, but I do. I love the magic of cinema, Joe. (laughs) <laughs> I like to let it wash over me and confuse me and dazzle me. Yeah, that's clearly an upside-down room. Now, I bought the special edition Ooh, bragger. of the Nightmare on Elm Street VHS tape. My friend Jim and I split split it. We found it one night at, uh, at a, you know, a Sam Goody or something, one of those old record stores. Warehouse music? Yeah, something like that. Where it you was could a, listen on headphones like what we're doing now? Yeah, it was pre-DVD, and we found the double VHS, and we bought it because the second tape had a bunch of bonus features on it, uh-huh. which at that time was pretty unheard of on anything. Yeah. Uh, but the bonus tape had uh, deleted scenes. Okay. And, and one you had of to fast-forward through to find the next scene. Like, the ones that you cared about, yeah. That's really and, shitting. But one was Johnny Depp's bloody corpse coming up out of the hole in the bed and then plopping down before anybody discovered what was happening. So it looked like he had just been murdered. And it was a great shot. I don't really... That must be on the... I have the Blu-ray box set. I'm sure it's on there somewhere. I'm sure it is, too. I don't don't know why, though, they would have... A lot of members-only jackets in this one. Cut it out of the uh, film. The dad now is very upset. He's throwing up because his son... His son's blood is dripping through the <laughs> ceiling. That'll that's upsetting. Yeah, I, I would guess so. I'd guess so. Now, do, do you, you like the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth series, or do you find it a lesser? Uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, I don't, I don't like it as much as Nightmare on Elm Street, but 
I've only seen Friday the Thirteenth. They're, they're great. I mean, I, I think the ratio of good ones to bad ones is is equal. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth might actually have a better batting average okay. than Nightmare on Elm Street, um, simply because there's more, so they had more chances to make better ones. <sighs> but they don't have a classic like the fr- the first Friday the Thirteenth is not a classic. It's just kind of an okay slasher movie. I don't like the first one. I think what the remake did was best, which was establishing the events of the first one in the opening credits, basically. Um, two is to me where Friday the Thirteenth really kicks in. Two's great, three's great, four's great. Oh, okay. I gotta watch all those. Then. Five sucks. Six and seven are great. After that, they all kind of suck. Takes Manhattan. Eh, it's a waste of time in my Isn't in my opinion. Isn't that six or seven? Jason Takes Manhattan is eight. Okay. Then there's Jason X in space. Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell is number nine. Yeah. Jason X is in space. Is Jason Goes to Hell set in hell? No, it's just the idea that he goes to hell at the end of it. Okay. Um, and they found some fucking horseshit thing about, like, you know, he's it's an ancient demon. You know, anytime they do that, it's like, get the fuck out of here. They try to do that with Michael Myers and the curse of Michael Myers. And yeah. It's stupid. Um, but uh, Friday the 13th Part 6 is my favorite of all of them. And really? I mean, it's just... What's it's, the premise? <clears throat> uh, it's called Jason Lives... Okay. And uh, the opening of the movie is fantastic. It's uh, the guy that plays Horseshack in Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> Ron Palillo, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, I've never seen Welcome Back, Cotter. And then the, the grown-up, like a different actor, but it's the grown-up version of Corey Feldman's character okay. from part four. Um, he He wants to make sure that Jason is actually dead, so they go to a cemetery to dig up his corpse. They dig up his corpse. It's there. Kid pulls out a, 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 an iron pole from the fence, starts stabbing Jason repeatedly out of rage. Right. Uh, lightning strikes the pole, reanimates Jason. Okay. Jason punches Horseshack through the chest. Hand comes out the other side, holding his heart. It's a great fucking flick, man. All right. And, and we talked was... about Darabont on the last one. Darabont directed, or he wrote the third Nightmare on Elm Street, correct? Dream Warriors. Did he? Yeah, I think he wrote it. I thought Craven wrote that one. Let's uh, look it up. Darabont wrote four, then, maybe. One. By the way, Friday the 13th reboot, I didn't even realize. I knew they were working on one. I didn't. Re- it comes out in, like, November. A Friday the 13th year. reboot? Yeah. Now, didn't they already do a Friday the 13th reboot? They did, and I thought it was solid, and it didn't, for some reason, get any traction. But it okay. was the, one of the scariest kills ever. He He takes a girl and puts her in a sleeping bag. Yeah, I remember she's that. Cancer, I saw that can't, then, yeah. And then ties the sleeping on the tree over the fire. That's so scary, man. Uh, hold on. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Let's see here. This woman's uh, an attractive woman. Why was I so mean? I don't know. I mean, the strange part is, is she's six years younger than we are right here. <laughs> People just looked older back then. That sure is true. Uh, let's see. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Seventy-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, deservedly so. Okay. Patricia She's got Bobby in the bed during this makeup scene. Patricia Arquette's screen debut, if you will. Yeah, I love Arquette. Screenplay: Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont, and Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell, I think, did like the mask or something. Uh, I want to see what else Darabont wrote. Uh, in his early career, he was a pr- he was primarily a screenwriter. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, love it. The Blob, love it. The Fly 2, love it. Fly 2 is good? I love Fly 1, obviously. I mean, the the original 
Well, it's not the original. It's a still a remake. But The Fly with Jeff Goldblum oh, to me incredible. is could be my second favorite it's horror incredible. movie ever. Yeah. It's one of the d- most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I, but I love The Fly, too. It got, it got a bad rap. I think it's great. All right. I'll see it. Uh, I don't. Then, I didn't. I never saw a lot of those bad sequels. Like I never saw Predator Two, but I love Predator One. I never saw Predator Two either. Gary uh, Busey and Danny Glover. And you're right. Uh, Chuck Russell did write The Mask. He wrote. Uh, he wrote. Co-wrote The Blob. Uh, he wrote Eraser. Ooh, that was a rough one. He also wrote. Remember when he shoots that alligator and he goes, "Your luggage." Yes, I do. That was I in do. the trailer. But he also wrote Collateral, one of my favorite Michael Mann movies. Oh, Collateral's a fantastic movie. Yeah, you adapt. Good for you, Chuck Russell. Way to come back, baby. Ooh, was a producer on Back to School. Love Back to School. Who doesn't? That's always very inspiring to me when somebody's like got a couple hits in the '80s, and then you're like, oh, I guess they tapered off. And you see, they wrote some big hit in the '90s. Like, I that's love a it. Cool movie or the 2000s. Co-wrote Dreamscape. Love that. I don't know Dreamscape. Dennis so, Quaid. Yes, I do know Dreamscape. Did I tell you I saw Dennis Quaid at a party the other night? Whose party? Who party were you? When I was Dennis at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Oh yeah, yeah, you told me that. Okay. Yeah, Quaid was there. I'm walking out of the. He was funnier than Dennis Quaid. Well, he was doing a reading that Jason Reitman was doing of the Big Lebowski. What was he playing? The Nihilist? He was playing... Jackie Treehorn? I think he was playing the Big Lebowski. No, Michael Fassbender was playing. No, Fassbender was playing the dude. The dude, right. I think oh, Quaid you're talking was, about... I think Quaid played what? the Big Lebowski. Oh, well, that seems wrong. I can't remember, but... It was it, a fat old creep. It doesn't matter, but the, the, the point is, is I got off the elevator in the hotel everybody was staying, and there was like 10 people on the elevator, and we're walking to these glass doors to go outside and you through the glass doors there's a set of stairs and uh there's this guy in the set of stairs and i just turned to everybody on the elevator mm-hmm. that was on the elevator and i go is that dennis quaid yeah and we all started laughing because it was dennis quaid it was like nice. the most random like what the fuck is he doing here yeah. we didn't know that he had done the reading looks amazing of course have two brothers ever looked less similar than dennis and randy quaid uh, Dennis Quaid, I stand by this, should be Indiana Jones next. <laughs> we could get four or five good movies out of him as Indiana Jones. He's perfect for it. All right. He's perfect for it. All he right. He looks great. He's got that indignant, like, come on! Yeah, you I've know? always liked Dennis Quaid. I love him. What's your favorite I Dennis Quaid movie? I was just on the tip of my tongue. I was going to say how much I love Inner Space. That probably is the best one, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just a great, great movie. Joe Dante. I love a Joe Dante. Yeah. Matinee? Uh, Matinee's a great underrated movie. Yeah. You know, I had a Twilight Zone the movie poster signed by Joe Dante. And nice. Fucking, when I moved, Gremlins, it baby. seemed to disappear with all my other valuable paintings. <laughs> what can you say? I'm not accusing anybody. No. You but. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're in the climax of the film at this point. Nancy is... Uh, Nancy has purposefully gone to sleep. She set up booby traps around the house. She's now in the boiler room. Home Her Alone plan, style. Home Alone style, yes. Nightmare on the Street gets very home alone at the end. Yeah. As does uh, that great James Bond movie. Which uh, one? Oh, actually, the not-so-great one. Quantum of Solace ends at like an abandoned house, and James Bond sets a bunch of traps. That movie is also Home Alone. You know what I always wanted to do was do a short with Macaulay Culkin about the kid from Home Alone getting out of an insane asylum in his 30s because he 
horrifically mutilated two men that came into his home. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean that was my favorite movie for years when I was a kid. Like it's a dream. I was I was Macaulay Culkin's age when that came out. It was like a dream come true, right. and I love John Hughes and remain a huge fan. But uh, I watched some. I guess it was probably on the DVD, like an, a DVD extra, and uh, Chris Columbus, the director. Was talking about how Joe Pesci like basically came from the set of Goodfellas to do Home Alone, right? As like an afterthought, and he's like, "We have days of footage of Joe Pesci like screaming in Macaulay Culkin's face, I'm gonna fucking kill you.'" And then he's like, "No, Joe, <laughs> Joe, he's a ten year old boy, and this is a PG rated comedy. <laughs> it's like he's an improv guy, and he'd get real into it, and they'd be like, you're not.'" At Goodfellas anymore, Joe. Oh, that's beautiful. You can say, like, you want to, like, break his nose or something fun like that, but you can't say you want to murder him and bury him in the desert. Is there anything funnier than Daniel Stern getting the tarantula put on his face? It's the best scream in movie history, I would say. It's... You know what another great one is? Bruce Willis and Death Becomes Her. I like a man with a high-pitched scream. It's always funny. I never saw Death Becomes Her. Believe it or not, I wasn't rushing to get to the new Goldie Hawn vehicle. (laughs) Look, fine, but it's really good. Robert Zemeckis, it's uh, it's a very funny... Bobby Z? Very funny movie, great special effects, and it has a lot to say about aging and Hollywood and culture, and it's a great movie. Nancy just found Glenn's headphones in Freddy's boiler room. Glenn was Johnny Depp. Right. Uh, and in case you were mistaken, they did have a label on them that said Glenn. <laughs> uh you know, cause I the thought the other are... label that said headphones was a bit much. I, I, I felt like Wes wasn't really giving us credit there. Why does Nancy currently have blood all over her fingers? Uh, I don't know. What was the... Yeah, how did she get... Oh, because she picked up uh, well, Glenn's headphones. Where did she land in that she's fine? She's dreaming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, not, have you lost oh, the premise of the movie already? Show. She landed in some rose bushes. Freddie's going to jump out. She's going to wake herself up in a minute. And this is the whole thing. She figures out halfway through the movie, I can bring Freddie into real life. Yes, of course. All right. Now she's about to wake up. There he is. But he doesn't know what she can do. She tackles him. He thinks easy kill. Boom. Wakes up. And who hasn't had that feeling? What do you mean? Well, I have this feeling every night. We're like, you're about to be brutally murdered in your dreams. And then you are like, wake up, please wake up. And you jolt yourself awake. You know, I have that feeling every time I go into a pitch meeting. <laughs> I didn't know you had night terrors. I'd love to sleep over one night and hear those things. No, you wouldn't. Oh, God, I would. I should probably double down on the therapy. As I, I'm, I like, It's like whenever you like talk about something in public, it's like, oh, wait, this isn't normal that I jolt awake nearly being murdered in my sleep every night. And you scream. Uh, no, I usually go like... <gasps> Now here's what or bothered. Here's what always bothered me about Freddy, Freddy coming into the real world. Yeah, because they do this in Freddy versus Jason too. Comes into the real world, Freddy versus Jason. Also, we are talking yeah. about horror movies. Yeah, you'd you'd think the first thing he would do is start going, "My fucking skin hurts." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nope, it's fine. Burned to a crisp. Yeah, doesn't no, it doesn't seem to phase him at all. That always bothered me. It doesn't bother me. Things like that bother me. All right. You know? She just broke through a window with an umbrella. Eh, you know, sure, why not? You could break why through not? a window with an umbrella? Now, here comes Freddie. Look, I mean, it's that comical. That is Home Alone. He gets a sledgehammer in his stomach. That is Home Alone. 
There he goes. The only thing this scene is missing is paint a kick cans. to his nuts. Yeah. Or paint cans being thrown in. Uh, this gets a little paint canny right here. He runs through the. He runs right through the uh, trip uh, trip wire and sets off the lamp bomb. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of gives like an ouch. Like an ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Nancy's screaming out the window for help. That was a weird choice of takes. There's a cop across the street, and he goes, maybe I should go tell the lieutenant. Did you just see on the stairs there appears? Yeah, that's like a giant bottle of bourbon. Oh, she's going to grab it. No, no, this is one of her booby traps. Okay, I was going to say, did the mob just leave a bottle out? Which and yep, it, she throws it at him, is. and it just shatters on his chest. She's reburning him now, but now she's burning him on this side. And there's a man in a Freddy Halloween costume now getting who's on fire. <laughs> that literally looks like the Halloween costume <laughs> of Freddy I bought at Rite Aid when I was a child. There he goes. He is making sort of Schwarzenegger noises, yeah. right? I, I, I took it to the chopper. Come on, you're better than that, Pat. That's his big line, right? You're better than that. What is that? An old? That's like a Kevin Pollock routine. All right. Well, I I'm not saying know. that's not a diss at Kevin Pollock. I'm just saying he's been saying that for a long time. Well, I don't know Kevin Pollock. I don't follow his career. I do. I liked him in Grumpy Old Men and Diner. Was he? He wasn't in Diner. No, I love him in Grumpy Old Men. He's in a lot of movies that seem like Diner. You know, Pop. That's my Kevin Pollock impression from sure. Grumpy Old Man. Hey, Pop, what are you going to do for dinner, Pop? He's got that Queens, New York kind yeah. of thing to him. The cops are now in the house. They're here to help Nancy. And she's leading him downstairs because there's smoke coming up from the basement where she set Freddie on fire. How? By throwing a bottle of bourbon into his chest. <laughs> but what's this? Fiery footprints up the stairs. Fiery footprints. Again, this is what starts to bug me is I love the movie. I'm not knocking it, but this is now a real man that has been burnt on top of burnt skin. Yeah. And he's still somehow running around the house to kill people. We're into like 12th and 13th degree burns. Yeah, he's on top of the mother trying to burn her right now. Yeah. And now the mother is, look, blue again. Yeah. The mother's corpse. Burnt to a crisp, sinks into a blue abyss. Look, isn't that Saxon's wife? Yeah. He seems oddly nonplussed. They're divorced. Oh, okay. Well, then She I... was a bitch. Yeah. Well, there's an extra seven fifty a month I don't got to spend. That's what he's thinking right now. You know what Saxon should have yelled there? Now you deal with her bullshit, <laughs> Kruger. He should have yelled that as she sunk into the bed. <laughs> She's your problem now, Krugs. <laughs> By the way... Watch your credit cards, baby. <laughs> That's, you know, it's another way the movie could have gone. Once sure. again, the whole room is blue, which makes you question, isn't it? Did you ever think about that until I laid that truth bomb on you? No, it's killing me, though, yeah. man. It's killing me. Shyamalan does it. Like, Unbreakable is an extremely color-coded movie if you watch it. Purple and, you know. He's talking about making part two. Man, that'd be great. Unbreakable is such a fucking classic. I love it, and I'm I'm pissed that he's... That I'm, I'm like, why did it take this long for these guys to even talk about making it? It's yeah. such an awesome movie. Like, make the second one. Make well, everyone the f- talks about it like it's a cult favorite, and it made like $150 million. Yeah, he was still the man. It's like, make yeah. the next Unbreakable. Six Sense, Unbreakable. 
Another great effect shot here. Freddy comes up through the sheet, and it again, it's like a latexy kind of kind of a condom, kind of a dick going into a condom vibe. So my theory here is now Freddy's back; he's still alive. He magically comes out of the bed. My theory is is she's actually dreaming here and doesn't realize she is. Okay. However, she still defeats him because she realizes I don't. I'm not scared of you. Yeah. Which is how she felt through the whole booby trap scenario. Wait, can I blow your mind again real quick? Yeah. Home Alone, the big turning point in Home Alone, like the act two when he's like, I'm going to defend everything. He yells, I'm not afraid anymore. Yes. Like three times in a row. Yeah. I'm not afraid anymore. So Are these movies the same movie? Let's, let's change the statement this I made earlier. First. Home Alone gets very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. Got that furnace in the basement causing trouble. That was scary. The neighbor. How much? Whoa. Okay, that was kind of a show in the corner thing. Freddie just turned into television snow. <laughs> She's not scared anymore. She opens the door. Here's the daylight. End. Look at those blue, blue eyes. Barrette, blue barrette. Blue, blue earrings. Blue eyes. Uh, I, I don't believe... think she had blue eyes in the whole rest of the movie, did she? No. And I believe a blue outfit. Did they do color they... contacts on her? Yeah, see, I think that whole end is supposed to be she's still dreaming. Yeah. The whole thing is she's still dreaming. She thinks she's awake. She thinks she's defeated him. She hasn't. She's still dreaming. Her mom's wearing a smock for painting with giant buttons on it. Let me tell you something about what the mom looks like right now. Two words. I like e. <laughs> <laughs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, please don't have sex with Joe DeRosa. <laughs> You're just going to hear two I love things. this access. Buttons down the front. Yeah. Yeah, purple and blue. Well, I guess everything's happy from here on out. I guess we're gonna just hit stop. It looks never like, mind this smoke that's everywhere. Yeah, it looks like everything's There's smoke just billowing <laughs> all around them everywhere. Nobody seems to notice it. They're dreaming. Okay, wait a minute. I thought this was the end and everything was gonna be fine. She's still dreaming. The car is Freddy Stripes, the mother doesn't notice yeah. that something's wrong. But the car looks like a Freddy car suddenly. Yeah. And here we go, mother in front of the blue door. What's going to happen? Uh-oh, there's the little girls from the beginning, right? And here's oh. Freddy's arm, and he pulls the blow-up doll through the window. Yeah, that's kind of a weird effect, too. Well, I mean, you know, very, how else did you make that Very happen? like the end of Carrie as well. One final, like when the arm jolts out of the grave, it's a very final shot, Carrie kind of thing. But that's only in the remake, no, 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 no. Does that happen in the original? They, what They don't do it in the remake. They do do it in the original. And Her arm comes out of the grave? It's beautifully done in the original. They keep zooming in on these rocks, and it's uh, that beautiful woman, whatever her name is, Amy something, and she's at the grave, and then the hand comes out and grabs oh, her. Oh, yeah, it's that's right. terrifying. I forgot about that. Okay, you're right. Amy Irving. Sorry. Steven Spielberg's ex. Um, that's what it. What is this song? The, the, we're at the closing credits. What's the song playing? Yeah. Did they do like, is this song like what they, what they used to do where like there had to be a song about the movie? Like, it's a nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Talk about a nightmare. Well, let me see if I can where? find it before we sign up. On sign Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Like the, like the song in Who's Harry Crumb by The Temptations. And they, it's, they say, who's Harry Crumb? They go, it's called Big Fun, parentheses, Harry Crumb. Oh, God so almighty. It's like, Big Fun, Harry Crumb. Uh, 
This is the, uh, according to YouTube, the Everly Brothers. Oh, no. This can't be the Everly Brothers. No, it's not the Everly. I mean, the Isley Brothers. It says the Everly Brothers. All I have to do is dream. No, that's whenever I want you, all I have to do. That's in the remake. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, Is your backdrop on your phone Grease, the movie? Yeah, I think that's funny. Okay. Okay. It's from the scene. It's from the you're the one that I want scene. It makes me laugh. All right. Um, I can't find. Laughter's important. Uh, changing the. Da, 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 da. Hey, as we're wrapping up here, so you don't have to listen to Joe Google on this podcast. Send us movie suggestions, thoughts, ways to improve, things you love, whatever, because we're starting out. This is new to us as well. Um, any suggestions you got? Did you tweet out earlier? I did. I forgot to look oh at it. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, look, I, there's nothing saying we got to end. If there's any questions right now, I'm going to look at Twitter. We're going to answer Okay, them. can I read you the one comment under the video? Yeah, please do. On YouTube of the ending song? Please do. There's no information on the guys that did this song. It's actually a really great song. Good <laughs> drumming, not. awesome synths. Why is there no info on this band? They're called 213. That was posted six years ago. Not when the movie came out. <laughs> six years ago when YouTube came out that uh, that was posted. Do we have any questions? We do. I'm going to read through them. Do you think Freddy Krueger served in Nam? Do you think he's seen some shit? I think it's a great question. The timeline adds up to me. I would not be surprised if he served the nom, but I bet they would have mentioned it at some point during the series, because why not? Yes and yes. And actually, if you're going into pitch a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel in like the 80s or whatever, you really should have done a nom. Like a nom-themed, that would have been perfect. Great question. Ken. And our, our man, Ken Hanley, our point man over at Fangoria yeah. and the Fangoria Podcast Network and all that stuff, uh, he sent us a bunch of questions. I say this is a good way to end is just answer yeah. Ken's questions. He says, as Joe checked into a healthcare facility after admitting he liked Johnny Depp and Tusk, what a beautiful question because it's one of the worst performances in recent movie history. And you know who else didn't like it from everything I've heard? Kevin Smith. He was like, I hate that I have this guy and it's such a great get, but he's ruining my movie. What are you talking about? That's what I've heard through the grapevine from people who worked on the Oh, film. I don't believe it. I, I think that's bullshit. In all seriousness, though, Funny Freddy or Scary Freddy... For me, Scary Freddy, Funny Freddy's Annoying. Of course. Is New Nightmare the best sequel for me? Yes. But no, I, Three's the best sequel. New Nightmare's the second best sequel. Okay. And then, uh, would you recruit in small towns? I don't understand what that means, what but that no. Means. Uh, uh, yeah, just going to say no. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm at Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter. Patty. I'm at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter, Vine, Instagram. And, uh, guys, we'd love your feedback. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Yeah, give us some feedback. It hasn't aired yet, so, you know, when it does, we'd like to know. We'd love it. All right, guys, thanks a lot for listening. Take care, and we'll see you in hell next time. Ooh.